0: We are live. It was the weekly uh, when soon show?
1: When <laughs> soon show? Are you guys in Discord? I gotta get in Discord.
0: Yeah, rumor has it we are live.
1: True. Rumor has it we are live. And I to the Discord.
0: announcements, all the ads.
1: What do we got? March 1st.
0: It is March 1st.
1: It is big almost a big day, almost one year to uh, the Cub DeFi that launched yeah. in March.
0: I, I believe it was March 9th, March 8th, one of those.
1: Look at that. That's yeah.
2: crazy. What uh, a year. So this is our one-year anniversary.
0: Yeah, so happy anniversary, everybody, for revolutionizing the, at least the high ecosystem, system, you know, introducing DeFi. You know, you know I find it, uh, I'll, I'll let me just do my little soapbox right here. Uh, I find it strange, ironic. I don't know what the word is, but, you know, Dan Larimer, invented defi like hands down That i mean he created BitShares. that was the first decentralized finance thing in existence oh. um and yet the people who use his you know what, what what was originally you know his his inventions like they're not like interested <laughs> or a lot of them are i mean obviously we are obviously all the leo finance people are um but it is definitely an uphill battle for uh for DeFi in, amongst the Hive community. Anyway, that's my soapbox. But it, it is March first, twenty twenty-two, uh, and uh, how's things going with the uh, with the calendar in this universe There, Cal.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, just on your last point about you know DeFi and Hive, it's it's definitely crazy because you know I still see a lot of people talking about Cub, and I saw a bunch of posts recently where people were talking about how. Cub is their like introduction into DeFi and they were on Hive and, and doing everything that's on Hive, which is a lot of stuff that you can do. You know, you can play Splinterlands, you can make blog posts, you can curate, um, you know, you can join communities like Leo Finance and, and get more niche with with what you're doing. Um, and, uh, and it's definitely just interesting to see how many people had no idea how to use DeFi or, you know, really anything about it um and cub kind of introduced it to them so it's uh actually our next ama will be right on march 8th yeah so it be might the, be right on the uh right the, on the anniversary date the official kind of
1: well that's good that'll i think that'll work out based on a that's bunch good. of stuff and we can have a one-year anniversary
0: that'll be fun yeah year oh, in review
1: and future future uh the year in review and the future of uh, leo universe
2: yeah yeah and i and i I think it's pretty poetic that the PolyCub launch is about a year after the launch of Cub. I think that's just poetic. Are you, me- are you making any official away.
0: announcements as to when soon will be now
2: for PolyCub? <laughs> <laughs> um, the only official announcement I'm going to make is that you're going to have a 24 hour heads up. Um, and there will be a, a countdown link. So anyone will be able to take this link and start watching the countdown. Mm-hmm. Um, starting at right at 24 hours, you'll still be able to watch the countdown and a couple reasons for that uh one thing is that before polycub goes live we're going to release the cub incentive pendulum so that's got to be like one of the first steps before polycub uh, goes live and and we release you know the airdrop and everything and there's some reasons for doing that um you know some of the big ones are are basically we want to change the mechanics on cub to favor you know the cub kingdom obviously there's so much there's so much TVL in the cup kingdom. It's, it's pretty, pretty incredible, but the APY has, has dropped to 32%. So. um, Everybody's taking while waiting for the
1: loss. Right. That's going to go up just by sheer people moving um, after the polycomic drop.
2: Yeah. So we got, we have some interesting mechanics being introduced because you know, the incentive and, and I've kind of, you know, over, I've had, of time over the last seven months to think about the best way to do this launch and 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 make the most value for everybody who's on Cub and PolyCub. So um, you know this release schedule that I've I've come up with I think is is the best um, you know the best option and, and I think it's going to be I think it's going to ex you know basically add some exponential uh, factors to to the launch uh, both on the Cub side and the PolyCub side. So okay,
1: so
0: so you're saying. Incentive pendulum uh, gets released on Cub DeFi. We get a countdown, and then PolyCub goes live. Is that the, the
2: exactly, okay. exactly? So you're going to see the incentive pendulum go live. That'll be the first step. And once you see that, you'll kind of know that you know we're on the you know we're within days of the launch, within probably within hours of the launch. Um, when when you see that go live, um, and
1: speaking of the launch. Um- is it, uh, like you said, the 24 hour notice is going to happen. And when that happens, is it like automatic that it like launches 24 hours later, or is there like potential delays at launch?
2: So with anything, like <laughs> if you look at a lot <laughs> with anything in this universe, um, it's all subject to the calendar, but um, you know, it's, so the way, the basically of the way it works is we deploy the contracts, we set a countdown where we set a block when when the rewards will start. So that's when the public rewards will start. We've got everything. And I've been saying this for a couple of weeks because we've been waiting for the audit and the audit is obviously done now. Um, so I, we've had everything ready to go. We're just pushing some buttons to get it all live. Uh, obviously, that's a simplification. Like there's, you know, working with people like CoinDesk and uh, Coin, uh, Telegraph to do PRs and and, uh, you know, organizing all the contracts, making sure everything works well um, you know, making sure the UI is good and, and, you know, all the deposit and withdraw functions work, um, on the, on the UI front. Um, so just like little things that we got to do right before we launch. But, um, once we set that target, that target block launch date, um, it will automatically start distributing rewards at that time. The thing is we can always, we can always, you know, if, if there is a, let's say that there is some problem and, and this happens plenty of times if you look at other projects that launch you know, on Polygon or any other blockchain, um, you know, they set a launch date. I think right now there's like an EVM most or something on Cosmos that, is, uh, that keeps delaying their airdrop in launch. Um, so with anything, if there is an issue that, that causes us to want to wait, then we can always redeploy the contract and launch later. Uh, but, the, but once we deploy the contract and set that block, um, it will automatically start at that time unless we cancel that contract and redeploy a new one. So
0: okay.
2: basically the, the answer is 90% set in stone, 10% unknown factors wait to launch and we can, we can do that. But yeah. um, obviously it causes a little bit of a headache for us because then we have to redeploy everything. We got we to redeploy new contracts Then we have to hook up the new contracts to the UI. So it just adds a bunch of work that I would rather not do.
0: Okay, 90% good to go. Uh, yep. Barring some crazy
2: something that happens. Some, yeah, something crazy that makes right. us want to wait.
0: Okay, now with the with the incentive pendulum going live,
2: uh,
0: I just want to make sure I understand, because I'm sure a lot of people also don't understand uh, what that is. So from, just just want to recap to make sure I'm correct. So there are different things to do on cubd You can stake in kingdoms, you can, st- you can put in farms, uh there there may be some new functionality coming in soon uh the incentive pendulum is shifting rewards around in order to incentivize behavior you want to do is that right right
2: exactly so so
0: so if there's not enough in the farm incentive pendulum goes over to the farm and it and and the increased apr says hey go to the farm
2: essentially yeah as an example right um and 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 the way we kind of look at that is um, is is more so based on on APY. So like right now, the APY in the farms is like 200%, it's crazy, um, compared to the APY in the kingdom, which is 32%. And the reason for that is because there's so much TVL in the kingdom, um, and, and it's basically, you know, it, it's actually incentivizing people to go to the farms, but people know that the Polycub drop is gonna happen, so they will all wanna be in the kingdom. Um, so so obviously the incentive pendulum is going to swing around and and it'll it'll change the way all that works and it it also includes kingdoms in that um you know the obviously the non-cub kingdoms too um what's interesting is that you know with with polycub right here and then with the cub bonding that we're about to release um the incentive pendulum is extremely important for for making all that stuff work well and obviously like i was saying like adding that exponential factor into everything so um yeah. I think the incentive pendulum being released right before the launch of Polycub is, is a key. It's, it's a key function for, for getting the launch to do what we want it to do.
1: All the things happening. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Essentially in it. this, in, in this incentive pendulum release, um, you're going to see the cup kingdom increase in APY by, um, almost a factor of three. So if it's 32% right now, it's going to be closer to 80 or 90 um, on the day that the, yeah, I've, I've run the math on the day the incentive pendulum is released. So it'll, it'll go up to about 80 or 90 and um, the farms will, will drop to about 120%, but obviously that that can be impacted severely by the price of Cub going up um, which with the launch of PolyCub imminently after the incentive pendulum, I think that's, very likely. So, um, I actually think the APY on the farms is not actually going to change that drastically. Um, if you look at about like a 72 hour period within the the incentive pendulum going live, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be a little volatile. It'll probably drop and then it'll go up right away. Um, and then obviously the kingdom will stay super high. So I don't expect that kingdom to drop below 70% anytime soon after the, after the pendulum, obviously
0: 70 is not too bad.
2: And then you said, what else you got? I got some interesting news. Um, so I was talking a little bit about this idea I had on um, the last AMA at the end, um, kind of like this multi-planetary expansion of Cub. And this idea that I have, which is um, basically that the way that I designed PolyCub is that it would be like a self-sustaining base, right? You, you launch it. It builds its own protocol and liquidity through management fees and uh, Polycub bonding. And my goal through that is, um, you know, let's, let's create a platform where you can do yield optimization. And in the beginning, you obviously have those huge, uh, you have those huge farming rewards and you have a lot of volatility because there's a lot of capital flowing into a brand new app. Um, you know, inflation is high, everything's going on. Um, and, and what we're trying to do is bottle up that volatility early into, into protocol and liquidity and then over time we're also trying to earn more protocol and liquidity from management fees plus the protocol on liquidity is uh compounding on itself and it's earning from bonding continuously so with all these factors you grow the protocol on liquidity as big as you can and then in the future when the inflation rate flips you use that protocol on liquidity to buy back polycub and distribute it as as the platform rewards instead of inflation so eventually inflation ends and you have Polycub being distributed from the protocol on liquidity's earnings. And I think that's a very interesting model. It's, it's one that some platforms have taken on, but I have not seen any platforms that took it on in conjunction with having the uh, X Polycub. So that's the X Sushi contract that we forked. Um, so having X Polycub in place, uh, having the bonding in place, having the protocol on liquidity in place. And, uh, and I think that's all extremely interesting. And, and like I was saying in that podcast, if it if it plays out the way that I think it will, and the way that you know I've done I've done so many different scenarios of, of you know if we have this much protocol and liquidity, if we have this much and that much, uh, what, what's going to happen? Um, and if it plays out the way that I think it will, then we're going to be doing this expansion to all these other blockchains, and each expansion will kind of have its own standalone. Um, you know, it'll it'll have its own standalone features. And what's, what's so cool about that to me is that everyone who's in Cub, and this fulfills the mission that we launched with, with Cub, and you can see it in the docs, Cub is the base layer of the DeFi stack for Leo Finance. So you've got Cub, and then you've got all these PolyCub, uh call them outposts or bases on other, other planets, uh, which are other blockchains. And they all airdrop back to Cub holders in the Cub kingdom and the two Cub farms and um so it creates value for the base layer of the stack and then on top of that stack you have all these individual apps that have their own economies basically and their own protocol and liquidity um and and i think that's just going to be extremely interesting obviously for cup holders that means you're going to get an airdrop every you know 60 days basically um for the next few months as we just every 60 days we just launch another um we just launch another one basically and each one is self-sustaining but obviously this this plan would only work if the model proves to be right that each each uh app is self-sustaining because if, if it's not self-sustaining then we're just dwindling away and that's not something that i want to do um so how, how
0: will you make the determination that it is self-sustaining versus not
2: it it essentially comes down to how much protocol own liquidity uh, these platforms get. And if you start running the math on the protocol and liquidity, and, um, you know, w- once you start running the math on protocol and liquidity, you can start finding out uh, the risk-free value. Um, and you can, you can basically calculate future rewards based on the TVL that's in there. So like, let's say that there's 10 million in TVL, and the protocol and liquidity is 3 million. Um, you can basically use all of this math to create, let's say that, the, you know, 10 million and 3 million, and then the inflation ends a year from now. Uh, you can basically run the math and say, okay, the 3 million is going to earn this much and all those earnings are going to be paid to, um, to the kingdom, that 10 million kingdoms TVL and they all split that, those earnings. So, you know, obviously if the APY on, on all of that is, is, you know, insignificant and it would, it would drive liquidity away, then, then you would be able to figure out, you know, is this self-sustaining or is it just, is it, uh, is it just going to reduce its TVL uh, significantly once the inflation is gone? Because you know these platforms, you can look at anything. Like there's this huge discussion about Anchor and UST on Terra, which is when their liquidity incentives end. They have like a liquidity pool that, that has a, a basically an end date. And when that ends, what's going to happen to UST? What's going to happen to Terra? Because there's so many, I think you know, billions of dollars in in uh, Anchor liquidity. Um, and once you take those incentives away, all that liquidity is obviously going to go. go elsewhere and find, uh, find incentives. So, um, you know, it's the same, same deal with, with Polycub and, and every, uh, basically every, you know, self-sustaining app that we, that we launch, you know, if you can't, if you can't build a large enough protocol and liquidity and, um, and incentivize the future of that app, then it's not going to be self-sustaining because it's going to need to pull from something else. But obviously the cool thing with kingdoms too, is that you, you are yield optimizing other apps. So you're taking yield from other apps, you're paying it to PolyCub Kingdom holders, but then you're adding PolyCub incentives on top of that. And so that means that you you're not just like let's say something's a 20% API. If another platform is paying 10%, then then we only need to come up with the other 10% to make it 20%. Um, and, and you know, obviously as, as we've all seen, 20% API is pretty attractive these days in DeFi, um, especially on something like a stablecoin pool.
0: That's how UST is uh, getting their billions. It's
2: right. 20%. Just 20% on stable coins. So you could imagine kind of a similar scenario. And, and really the idea here is not just to have all these different, because uh, I know that the, the number one, the number one, you know, argument against this idea is just, you know, why would you keep launching tokens? Why would you keep launching apps? Just focus on the ones that are already there. And that that makes perfect sense to me. But. I also see the the importance of being on all these different chains and creating, because what what we've done with Leo Finance's Web3 ecosystem is two major things. One, there's this trust in in the brand name, which kind of goes for a lot of things. You know, you've got Apple, you've got Nike, Adidas, all these different brands that have built trust with with their audience. So that's kind of what Leo Finance has going for it on all these different platforms. Like a lot of people on Hive, kind of going back to what we talked about at the beginning, a lot of people on Hive didn't ever touch DeFi because they were too scared of the apps. They were too scared of what they could do, rug pulls, all that stuff. And because Leo Finance launched Cub, that's what told them, "Okay, I trust this brand. Let me let me try this DeFi thing." Uh, so very very much the same thing. And and when we do it on a different blockchain, like right now we're doing it on Polygon. Next, we're we're likely to do it on Avalanche and Phantom. Um, you know what? What we're doing is is just taking that and just basically franchising it to another blockchain, and uh, and and it's extremely interesting because you know you've got that level of trust and you've got that brand name, and then the second factor is um, you've got the the wrapped Leo economy, which which gets me really excited with with everything Leo Bridge in the Leo Bridge universe because every time we launch one of these, there is a you know, with Cub there was the B Leo pool. With Polycub, there's going to be the P Leo pool. Um, with Avalanche Cub, there's going to be the Avalanche uh, the A Leo pool. Um, and with all of these different pools, you're going to have a, n- a new connection to Leo Bridge, and you're going to be able to swap across those blockchains. And there's a lot of liquidity moving across all these different blockchains. Um, and and the fact that we can offer it in a permissionless smart contract that simply wraps and unwraps Leo for you. Is, uh, is pretty huge, um, which kind of leads me into another announcement. When PolyCub goes live, we are going to have Leo Bridge uh, live as well. I know Mitch was asking about that. So Leo Bridge is ready, and uh, we're doing some testing, and it should be completely ready to go when when PolyCub
1: goes live. Speaking of bridges, because I know there's a whole bunch of people that have outstanding tickets, but I know there's people that want to move. Leo, Leo, all that. And I had a couple of people ask me, and I was just like, I might hold up right now. So as far as wrapping or unwrapping Leo to be Leo and vice versa, are we, are we good? Is there liquidity there or are people just going to end up submitting a ticket?
2: Yeah. So, so there, there are some tickets sitting there because of the Leo bridge update. Um, so the update went live, I think like within like 30 hours, like 36 hours ago. Um, so those are all, those tickets are all going to get replayed. Um, and then everyone, I think there were like seven or eight on uh, failed wraps. So those will all get refunded uh, automatically. And then um, obviously when Leo bridge goes live, you know, th- there can always be a bug in something and then you have to open a ticket and wait a little bit. Um, but, but oh, absolutely! Know. and but- especially when during the launch we'll definitely get more focused tech support. So I'd say within 12 hours you, you'll get your refunds. We'll process them more, more quickly.
1: Okay, but as far as doing if a transaction, a doing a transaction now, it's good to go. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I just no, did I...
2: one. I just did one not that long ago.
1: All right, cool. No, I had someone ask yeah. me last night, and I was just like, mm, let me let me see if I can get any feedback on that before you push forward. Yeah, All you right, can cool. always
2: send like to Leo and just test it if you want. Um, this is, this is true. you know to to anyone who whoever asks. I, see, I do see a lot of people ask. Oh, is the bridge working right now? You can just send to Leo, or you could. Also, I think Neil said this before, you could just look at the uh, bridge, either the bridge address on Binance Smart Chain, Ethereum or uh, Hive, and you can see if, uh, you can see when the last wrap went through and if it went through successfully or not. And that would give you good indication. Indeed. But I do think with, and I, I think it was Mitch that said this, or was, I don't remember if it was Mitch or Neil, but um, putting like a green light status indicator on, on the Leo Bridge website, um, to say, okay, the, the last bridge wrap was successful, so most likely you're going to be fine. Or the last one was unsuccessful, so the light is red. Hold off until the next successful one goes through.
1: Yeah, I think we talked about that on like the Leo bridge, as in like the you know ERC twenty the, to, yeah. to BUSD bridge, not the uh, you know Leo wrap on wrap.
0: Yeah, and then um, um, you know, I know there have been. Issues where like one wallet or another is is dry and out of funds, so having some kind of indicator for each of the relevant uh, yeah. wallets, the hot wallets, yeah, show you how much is available. That'd be good. Definitely. <clears throat> All right. Um, we've got a few questions popping up throughout here. Uh, here, here's a, a, an old question that I haven't heard in a while, but you know, worth revisiting. Um, how does the Cake Kingdom work? Uh, does it auto-accumulate or just get rewarded
2: cake? Um, the Cake Kingdom, so the Cake Kingdom works exactly like all the other kingdoms. Um, it stakes, you stake cake into it, and then it, the, the kingdom's contract takes that cake and it stakes it on pancake swap to earn uh, the cake that they're paying. Then it takes the cake that you're earning um, and it auto compounds it back into your cake balance. Um, And then obviously you earn Cub on top of that. The the key difference with that kingdom versus say like the BNB BUSD kingdom is that the BNB BUSD kingdom is also rewarded in cake, but obviously your base asset is BNB BUSD. So instead of auto compounding cake, you're auto compounding back into BNB BUSD. So it's selling your cake, putting it back into BNB BUSD. And the cake kingdom, since you're staking cake and earning cake, it's just auto compounding the cake plus adding cub uh, that you can harvest. Yeah,
0: so the, uh, you know, whichever kingdom you're in, your balance grows over time because it's auto compounded. And then you get cub on top of that, which is claimed as you, you know, when you claim it. So, but the cub rewards do not get auto compounded. It's just the internal stuff. So there's two different things going on. Oh, uh, let's see, people are asking about which farms, which whatever are gonna be eligible for PolyCub airdrops?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So um, something we're working on right now is, um, you know, a whole set of tutorials. So you'll go into the docs and there's gonna be, we're, we're basically gonna be, a, everyone on Leo is gonna be a, a read the docs spot where we're gonna be telling people, hey, go read the docs. All this is in the docs, go read the docs. Um, but right now it's not in the docs. So good question, (laughs) answer. (laughs) Um, so, um, in order to be eligible for the poly cub airdrop, it's, it's actually really simple. So you, you just buy some cub and then you stake it in three, one of three places or all three places, if you want, um, you can stake it in the cub kingdom. You can stake it in the cub USD farm or the cub BNB farm. Um, and with the two farms, the key thing to understand is that you're only getting airdrops based on the Cub side of your balance. So if you've got Cub USD, you're only getting airdrop based on the Cub, not the BUSD. So if you have $1,000 in Cub USD, then you're getting airdrop based on $500 worth of Cub. Um, if you're in the Cub Kingdom and you've got $1,000 worth of Cub, you're obviously getting airdropped $1,000 worth of Cub or you're getting airdrop based on $1,000 worth of Cub. Um, so that's literally the process for getting the airdrop. is as simple as buy Cub, stake it in one of the three places and just wait until the airdrop starts. Then there's going to be an airdrop page. You'll be able to go to it on Cub and see how much your pending airdrop is. And then it'll link you um to the PolyCub airdrop page where you'd have to go to claim it. So Mitch was asking before we started recording, um how will you claim your PolyCub airdrop? And, and do you have to claim it or is it just automatic? And also which address does it does it use? Um, so it essentially, you just go to the PolyCub airdrop page. It shows your, you log in with your MetaMask address, and then it'll show you how much Cub you have staked and how much um, your airdrop is pending and how much you can claim at that time. So you hit the claim button on the Polygon network and you send a Polygon transaction to the smart contract for the airdrop and it claims whatever your balance is. Um, and it claims it to your Polygon address. So it's the same address on Binance Smart Chain. So like, let's say that you've got address one and that's your Binance chain address. You're staking a thousand dollars with the Cub. You go to the Polycub website, you log in with the Polygon network to MetaMask um, with the same BSC address that you're, or the same address that you're using on BSC. And then you hit claim, and then it claims your airdrop on the Polygon blockchain. And then you'll hit Polycub, Polycub tokens and you can stick it into xPolycub or put it into one of the farms, um, use it however you want. but but the and then the airdrop is obviously every day for 60 days and it's a it's a new snapshot every day so if you if your cub balance changes from one day to the next then it will use the newest cub balance uh,
0: now if, if i if i get like on tuesday let's say i get a certain airdrop if i don't claim it and it's now wednesday another airdrop has happened do i do i claim both at the same time does one overwrite the other what happens
2: yeah that's a, that's a good question so it, it just accumulates in your balance so um you know if you're familiar with the sps airdrop or or really most most of those kind of airdrop um, setups it just like if you get let's say that you get 10 polycub the first day and then you get 15 polycub the next day and then you claim it sometime on the second day then you're just going to claim 25 polycub on that second day uh, whenever you decide to claim it okay. so uh
0: especially good for the uh... You know the smaller cub holders, if they're getting like you know 0.3, you know they might not want to claim right. every day.
2: Right. Yeah, and obviously the Polygon network fees are really cheap. I haven't checked what the gas costs were recently, but you know it's pennies uh, for the gas costs. So um, yeah, that's that's one nice thing about the Polygon blockchain, even cheaper than BSC.
0: Absolutely, and uh, I you know I asked you about this. Before we started, but uh, just for just for the record, so Binance Smart Chain is trying to, or I guess, maybe has already, I don't know, officially changed its name to BNB Chain to be uh, uh, to be more distinct from Binance, I guess. Um, <laughs> although BNB is some acronym involved in Binance, I was going to
1: say if BNB is Binance Coin. D-
0: they're doing stuff. Uh, yep. Yeah. As far as as far as we are concerned you know, are we going to just keep calling it Binance Smart Chain?
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm probably not going to change until like, <laughs> you know, I'm sure at some point I would, but you know, I'm from, I'm from Chicago and, and uh, the Sears Tower was renamed to the Willis Tower and I still call it the Sears Tower. So.
0: Yeah. I only learned it was renamed recently. Of course, I don't think <laughs> <laughs> uh Crypto 11 is asking, when phantom? it's the hot Uh, soon. So, you know, how, how realistic was your 60 day, you know, rollout
2: timeline for, for extremely, extremely. Yeah. Extremely. It's uh, the, the process for relaunching is very, and I I wouldn't say it's just completely simple, but it's, it's very, uh, it's very predictable because uh, for a lot of reasons, it's very predictable. As long as uh, I've already talked to it. Yeah, they're all EVMs. So obviously the code base doesn't change very much uh, at all. Um, just some, you know, basically some node changes and maybe some sim- uh, simple function changes. But um, I've already talked to Surdike and and uh, asked them about, you know, basically they audited Polycub, right? If we have, you know, Avalanche Cub and it works exactly like Polycub, it's the same contracts just forked onto, onto Avalanche. Um, I asked them, you know, first of all, when discount on my audit. Second of all, um, how fast will you be able to audit it if it's the same contract and you're just checking, you know, whatever changes were made. Um, and they said that it would be a lot faster. So they would give us an expedited audit and it would be cheaper for each for each audit since we've already done the Polycub one. Awesome.
0: Um, yeah, so Phantom suit. You know, it, Very is, soon. it is the hot new thing. I wish I had held my Phantom from whenever I first bought it.
1: Um, yeah, I know that. I know that struggle. <laughs> I actually sold my Phantom at a loss, no less. Oh,
0: uh, I, I at least made money on, the, on those first couple
1: trades. But yeah. yeah and uh, it, th- whatever I sold at 35 cents or something. Oops. Yeah. Ooh.
0: Yeah, it was, it was around there.
1: Yeah. I bought it like 50 cents, sold at 35. It was also on the futures, though. So I was right. like, I wasn't going to sit on it for a year holding futures. And I mean, same yeah. thing with like Luna, you know, Luna just mooned and. I could, have been, I could have made some good money, but it was a futures position. I'm not just going to sit on it and pay fees for a year.
0: Yeah, that is true. Uh, so, um, you know, you were talking about self-sustaining earlier and Khan uh, is asking if CUB Finance is self-sustaining. And it's a little, um, you know, um, it's a little apples and oranges just cause you know, all the mechanics are not implemented on Cub Finance yet.
2: Right. Although they will yeah. be. They will be, yeah. Cub is, Cub is interesting because it started its life as a simple yield farming app like everything else, like Goose Defy and all the hundreds of yield farming apps that launched at a similar time. 99% of those apps no longer exist. Their tokens are basically worth fractions of pennies. Yep. Um, Cub still obviously exists, and and you can even make an argument that it's it's thriving, or at least at least the the developments have have pulled up to the point where it it is in in thrive mode development wise, and uh, hopefully the price starts to reflect that. But um, what's interesting is that we started it as yield like simple yield farming app, then we migrated it into being a yield optimizer, which is ooh, wasn't an easy thing to do. Um, it was, uh, I don't know if anyone remembers, but if you go back to like, like kind of around the April, May, June type timeline, uh, we were working on Kingdoms and they took, I, I thought it would take a couple of weeks. It ended up taking us a couple months and uh, it, was, it was very hard to, to implement them as a add-on to a platform that already existed. If we, in hindsight, if we had just relaunched Cub into Cub V2 and just airdropped Cub V2 onto all Cub holders... Um, and just re, completely relaunched it as a new app, I think that probably would have been a better move. Um, and just at the time, it, it seemed to make more sense to just launch it, launch the features on top of Cub. Um, so, so Cub started as that simple app, then it moved to a yield optimizer. Then we also added the IDO contracts. Um, and then now we're adding all these DeFi 2.0 contracts, like, um, like Cub bonding, the Cub incentive pendulum that you're going to see all these kind of like, all all these very interesting DeFi features that, that will make Cub more sustainable. And we've really been working toward making Cub more sustainable over the last, you know, eight to 10 months. Um, So we've definitely, we've definitely seen some interesting changes to Cub in terms of sustainability. I mean, if you look at like this drop that we just had in the market like last week, CUB, Cub dropped like one or two cents and the rest of the market dropped like 20 or 30%. So um, <clears throat> it, it was interesting to see that. And and if you just look at CUB, I mean, we bounced off of like 24 cents, I think at the lows. Now we're at 30, 34 cents. So uh,
0: yeah, nice, little, nice little bump over the last uh, week or so.
2: Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I mean, I.
0: Go ahead. As I say, it's been a crazy couple of weeks in the in the crypto market. Yes, yeah, it really has. Twenty yeah, percent um, of the last, look, two days. <laughs> so
1: yeah, we a got a surprising rip out of nowhere from Bitcoin yesterday. That was well, big, all the
0: Russians are buying?
1: Green candle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, I think I think with with Cub and with the way that with with the things that are going to be released for Cub right now, like the incentive pendulum and everything that's leading up to the Polycub launch then the actual Polycub launch itself. Um, I don't know. I, I see Cub reaching, you know, dollar fifty plus with, with this Polycub launch. Well, obviously we'll have to see how it plays out. Um, but then also the announcement of, you know, as, as we see Polycub, you know, progress and, and hopefully my models track, um, to see, you know, if, if I'm correct about this this self-sustaining base idea, um, then we'll start announcing, you know, Avalanche Cub and, and uh, Phantom Cub, all these, all these other chains.
0: Now, uh, you know, Kyle is making a point that, um, you know, he would prefer an interface where it's one website and then, you know, you'd see all the different chains. Like um, uh, a lot of sites do this, you know, uh, Sushi does it, um, Curve does not. Our curve has a different site for everything. For, for, uh,
1: Belphi does that, right? Uh, yeah, Belphi does. It shows a different, like even the stable poles, it shows the, like the different chains.
0: Yeah, uh, so, you know, b- basically some form or fashion, there's either a nav bar or a dropdown or something where you can pick what chain you're on and then it shows you the interface for that different chain. Have you thought about that versus complete separate sites?
2: Yeah, So so here's my interesting idea for this. Um, we launch if we launch PolyCub, uh, we launch PolyCub. Then you know we see how it performs against the model. Uh, obviously, Cub is going to be doing very well at the time. PolyCub will be doing well. It'll be the early days of PolyCub, and then we'll start looking into Avalanche Cub, uh, Phantom Cub, all these different these different chains that we can integrate. And my idea for the interface is kind of similar to what AutoFarm has. Um, where you've got all the different chains at the top, and you can just switch between them. So it would, it would have that idea in it. And then the other idea is to take um, each version of Cubs. So you take Cub, Poly Cub, Avalanche Cub, Phantom Cub. Then you take every version of Leo. You take um, you know B Leo, uh, P Leo, uh, A Leo, F Leo. Uh, F Leo is kind of funny. That's the first time I said that out loud. Um, <laughs> and uh, you take all those. So we got all now. We've got all the different versions of Cub. And then obviously you have all the wrapped versions of, of Leo, which are very different than because each version of cub is its own thing. Uh, each version of wrapped Leo is obviously one-to-one exchangeable with each other. Um, and my idea is that we create that one UI where you can pool on all the different farms and kingdoms by just changing your wallet, very similar to auto farm. Then I want to also launch um, those like try crypto pools, those try crypto cross chain pools where, You'd be able to pool like four versions of wrapped leo in one pool um and obviously you wouldn't have any impermanent loss because it's all just it's all it's like a stable coin pool but obviously for leo and then you're adding liquidity to all um all sides of the bridge because for leo bridge we're going to need massive liquidity it's really if you look at if you look at what we're doing here it's i, I talked about it a little bit but we're fulfilling the mission of Cub for being the base layer of this DeFi stack, and, and we're bringing a lot of the value back to the Cub holders. That's that's the entire idea here, um, for launching all these other all these other apps. But then you've got this other idea, which is that we are we're launching all these wrapped Leos on all these different blockchains, and we're incentivizing those pools, you know, heavily. Like right now on on Cub, it is what's the API on B It's a ninety-seven percent APY on B Leo. And there's four hundred seventy-one thousand dollars in that liquidity pool, which I think obviously is is too low. I think that should be a lot higher. But um, I think that comes down to a, a lot of different factors. But raising that liquidity on every single blockchain that we're on is is the key idea, because I do believe that Leo Bridge is the future of the Leo economy. I think I think I think the entire mission of Leo Finance, obviously laid it out in the white book, is uh, this Web three connected ecosystem where our community is constantly growing. We constantly are getting new community members, but then we're also having all these apps where you can take your Leo and you can go to any blockchain. You can you can participate in any sort of DeFi, and uh, and you use Leo Bridge to to really do everything. So you know you could you could be onboarding like Mitch talks about this a lot. Onboarding some USDC from Coinbase, and my vision is you onboard that USDC through Leo Bridge, and you can send it to any blockchain that you want to do DeFi on, and uh, and it all is traded through the Leo token economy, which obviously accumulates value for Leo. Um, so, so that I, I just think this whole idea of the Web3 ecosystem is, is kind of coming together with, with Polycub, and then obviously everything we do afterwards. But but my point to, to the question is that as we build out that, that more complex Web3 connected ecosystem, we are gonna need a completely new UI. So I wanna build a new UI completely from scratch. Um, and that'll be like the Cub UI and it'll have you'll be able to change your wallet at the top uh to each blockchain. And then we're also gonna launch those like tri-crypto pools, um, uh, those cross-chain pools for for Leo and Cub. So that's kind so, of the that's kind of the long-term roadmap.
0: Okay, so the answer
2: is eventually. <laughs> eventually. The the answer is uh check the calendar.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that Leo, I mean that ultimate Leo bridge though would be so huge. For the value of leo alone um and then such a resource too because i the reality is people go many different places now to do these to, do those swaps you know what i mean
0: yeah so, a, a, a buddy of mine a, a D gen friend shared with me a google spreadsheet of like if you're going
1: from this chain
0: to this chain and then it has a whole matrix you use this bridge or use these two bridges because you need to do this first and then that, the other it's oh, it's cool. a it's a nightmare of you know trying to keep track of everything. So if if there was one bridge, and you know, multi-chain is does a fair job of this, at least with like USDC or ETH, um, uh, you know, bridging lots of chains. But um, you know, I'd certainly rather capture that that traffic value into Leo than random other organizations.
1: Hundred percent. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, um, I mean, how does it benefit us in terms of like people going on any swap and sites like that? Screw that come yeah. stay in the Leo universe. Exactly. Yeah, so, I mean,
2: the, the thing is, Leo is so small. I mean, when you look at the crypto space, what we're talking about a, a few million dollar market cap token uh, for Leo and for Cub. And, you know, just sticking with Leo and Leo Bridge, you know, you can, you can definitely foresee a future where Leo Bridge is getting hundreds of thousands of dollars in trading volume every month, even on the low end. I think it could be a lot higher than that. And, uh, cause obviously you've got trading volume, then you've got the, and I wrote a post about this, I'd have to dig it up, but I wrote a post about this, that you've got the trading volume that every trade on Leo bridge is, is actually adding like three times trading volume on, um, the Leo token economy, because let's say that you have a thousand dollar trade across Leo bridge. Um, you're, you're, what you're doing is you're taking an asset on, let's just say Binance smart chain, like USD, uh, like USD, uh, so a thousand dollars, you sell that USD into then that BLEO, uh, so you're basically buying BLEO on Binance Smart Chain with your 1,000 BUSD. And obviously this all happens on the back end. Then that 1,000 BUSD, or that 1,000 BUSD worth of LEO is unwrapped from BLEO to regular LEO. Then it's rewrapped from regular LEO to PLEO, for example. And then it outputs, let's say that you wanted 1,000 USDC on Polygon. So now it's, it's wrapping it into PLEO and then it's selling PLEO for 1,000 USDC. So now you've you've increased the price of Blio on Binance Smart Chain, and you've decreased the price of PLEO on Polygon. Um, now you've created an arbitrage opportunity for someone else with a bot, most likely, to come in and arbitrage the price and buy PLEO, unwrap it into regular Leo, rewrap it, and then um, sell it as Blio. And now you've created you've created basically three trading transactions out of one. So you've taken one thousand dollars getting uh, bought worth of, of, uh, B Leo, then you've got the P Leo and then you've got the arbitrage trades afterwards. So, um, the amount of trading volume that you could foresee from Leo bridge is, is massive. And, uh, and obviously if you look into liquidity, black hole theory, which was kind of popularized by Thor chain, and then I wrote a post, a couple of posts about it. Um, the, as that trading volume increases, you are incentivizing deeper and deeper liquidity, which then incentivizes higher and higher, uh, trading volume because the slippage will be lower. So that's really, I, I just, I think it's just gonna be a huge snowball effect. And I, I think it all starts with with PLEO and um, obviously BLEO because right now it's Leo and BLEO and that Leo bridge is just unusable because of the gas fees. So when you've got BLEO to PLEO and, and vice versa, it's gonna be very, very interesting. Cause you'll be, able to, you'll be able to Leo bridge transact $100 and it would be economically feasible Uh, in terms of fees.
1: Yeah. And that's still, you know, in the end, at least for the US, the onboarding problem is you have to run it through ETH and the ETH gas fees suck, but it is what it is. Um, As much as I always hate on ETH, I actually, at this point, can't wait for them to get ETH 2.0 because, you know, (laughs) think about it. I was thinking about it. I'm like, that is going to be so bullish for the crypto market on a whole. It's going to open floodgates because that barrier of entry is going to be removed because whether some people think it's hilarious or not like a hundred dollars, $200. Like it's a roadblock people are like, I'm not going to spend that much money to convert, you know, but if it's $2, five, you know, even, you know, or 50 cents, forget about it. So it's hilarious that it's such a roadblock because if you're moving 10 grand, like who cares on a couple hundred bucks, but mentally no one wants to spend a couple hundred bucks to do a transaction. Yeah. Floodgate will open. I, I hope, ETH 2.0 comes out tomorrow, be so bullish for crypto.
0: You know, they're so assuming that actually happens at some point, uh, you know, in two more years. Yes. The uh, the, there, I've seen arguments, I've seen Vitalik make a similar kind of argument where he says that, well, the demand currently is such that the gas fees are whatever they are. So if you lower the gas fees, then the transaction volume will rise to offset. Um, and you know, maybe that's true. Um, but you know for each individual thing it still should be less uh, yes. even though the, the total aggregate gas load should be might be the same um so we'll see
1: it'll be interesting how it plays out if it ever does but uh you know what i thought about one of the bull cases for polygon is the fact that the you know gas fees on ethereum suck so if and when eth 2.0 launches does that have a bearish impact on Polygon? Yeah, right? Because in the end, Ethereum still the number one place for all things DeFi. So a lot of people go to Binance Smart Chain, go to Polygon, because they're just sick of the gas fees. But if that gets removed, it's like, well, F these other chains. I can go back to Ethereum where all the money is. I mean, granted, more and more money is coming into Binance and uh, Polygon. But we know the reality, you know, the vast majority of money is still on the Ethereum network.
0: Yeah, I was I was actually thinking about that as um, as Cal was talking earlier about you know why launch all these different outposts on different chains and you know because you know the amount of capital inside of the current Cub and Leo user base is you know you know significant but finite right so it's not like we can self support the uh, ever growing outposts so you need the outside capital on each of those chains in order to become interested in and become part of the ecosystem. Uh, but the good thing is, is that the, that that outside capital does exist. You know, there's, there's, uh, you know, DeFi, you know, uh, participants on every chain and they're all looking for the hot new thing and hopefully we'll capture some, some portion of of those on every different chain that we launch on.
1: True. Polycub, the new hotness. The new hotness. Yeah. The, that's the, it's the, it's the beta test for uh, Cal's uh, theory. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so
0: assuming we get you know Polygon and Avalanche and Phantom and whatever else, uh, I've been playing on Midas last week or so. It kind of sucks. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> Which one? Uh, it's Andromeda and the gas token is Midas. Wow, I haven't even heard of the I it. S. Um, it's uh yeah anyway uh so yeah you know grabbing grabbing a chunk of of users and capital from each of those places, you know, we'll add into the whole thing. But this this also brings to question brings to mind a question, Cal. If if the major use case for Leo is the bridges and we're gonna have Leo locked into the liquidity pools on all the different chains, what happens to Leo curation?
2: That is very interesting because it actually kind of creates its own little uh, incentive pendulum type of scheme for, for Leo, where, you know, you've got this setup where um, the, as the cure, and we've talked, we've definitely talked about this a couple of times, you know, way, way back when, when RapLeo and, and Be Leo first launched. Um, you've got all the, all the Leo that's staked for curation right now is competing with each other for curation rewards. And actually curation right now on Leo is like 14 or 15% APY. So what's kind of crazy is that people are staking Leo and earning 14 or 15% APY. And that makes perfect sense. You know, you're curating content. There's a lot more to it than just earning APY. It's it's influence over the platform. And especially as the Web3, the Leo Finance Web3 ecosystem evolves and more people get involved, um, you're gonna want more and more influence in, in the community. So that you know that influence power can't be discounted, but but if you look strictly at APY, you've got like 15% APY, let's say. Then you can go over to BeLeo and earn 90% APY, like we just talked about. So in theory, you would think that a lot of liquidity would move from being staked Leo to actually in the liquidity pool for BeLeo, providing liquidity for the bridge and earning 90% APY. Um, but obviously we still need to see a lot of liquidity move over. Um, so, then now that we launch PLEO, you're going to have this whole new liquidity pool that's going to earn somewhere between, you know, say 100 and 2000 percent in the early days of PolyCub. And um, hopefully that incentivizes more liquidity to even be unstaked from Leo Power and moved over to either BLEO or PLEO. Then you have Avalanche, Leo, and all these other ones where. You're, you're just creating more and more sinks for, for people to say, oh, more and more of that investor's dilemma where it's like, where am I going to move my Leo? Because there's all these different places where I can earn ridiculous API and uh, and whoever's moving it around is obviously going to be well rewarded for it. Um, and obviously the ultimate goal for Leo is is that we're incentivizing the bridge to have more liquidity. Um, so, so what I want to see is you know, a lot of Leo power gets unstaked and moved into these pools. And that is actually a good thing for Leo curation, because now the curation API is going to increase as the competition leaves and goes into those liquidity pools. So then the curation API will be even higher um, on on staked Leo. And I I think that's an incredibly positive thing, because now you're increasing liquidity pools. That's good for Leo bridge. You're decreasing Leo power because there's so much Leo staked. It's kind of like the cup kingdom. Our community is, is like diamond paw all the way. They they all stake in the cub kingdom. They all stake in the cub kingdom. They all stake in, in Leo. And that's great, but we need to expand our, our ecosystem. And, and you know, a key key way to do that is through Leo Bridge and, and you know be Leo, p Leo, hey Leo um and, and Rap Leo, especially when we move it to Thorchain. So, you know, it's it, it's extremely important for curation as much as it is for Leo Bridge. In my opinion.
1: Okay.
0: So theoretically, that should work, assuming that the people on Leo are going to do that migration. And I know some will, mm-hmm. but you know, a lot are still in the, you, know, right. you know they're comfortable with with what they know, and then that's just kind of all they want to do. Like for me, I think I've got maybe one thousand or two thousand Leo staked on Leo Finance, but then the rest
2: is in the Be Leo pool.
0: But, uh, but I don't get to swing fat upvotes. <laughs>
2: right. Well, then then you have the dilemma. You want more influence on the platform, swing fat upvotes, get people to follow you. You know, maybe if you do like, you know, in the long run, you want to build more of a brand, you want to start selling something or you want to just, you know, get more upvotes on your own content or whatever you, then you have an incentive and a dilemma to buy more Leo and stake it uh, because you also don't want to lose the Leo that you've got in the liquidity pool. So, um creating that dilemma that's the key
0: That is the key and uh, tony's saying uh you know when uh, when leo bridge to actual hive because <laughs> there's now swap pools and such so
2: right so i have a lot of obviously probably of no surprise i have a lot of ideas for for leo bridge being extended to hive and uh and that will happen in this universe um So I think we talked about that, not on the last day, maybe the one before that, Um, you know, extending Leo bridge to hive um, and letting people kind of onboard into and out of hive um, through Leo bridge, you know, it's, I I think that would actually create a lot of trading volume um, for Leo bridge, a lot of, a lot of smaller trading volume where it's like, you know, someone wants to take their blogging rewards for a month and, and move it into DeFi and they'll swap, you know, hive through, through Leo bridge and output you know, BUSD or Cub or Leo uh, on, on one of the versions of, of Cub. Okay.
1: So, soon So, so yeah, you know, official answer is soon. <laughs> it's on the calendar. So going back to what Mr. Khan was saying, and I actually like the suggestion he made like leofinance.com backslash DeFi. And that's kind of like where you find all of, uh, the DeFi sites, assuming, you know, we did like a BelFi type thing. But before all that happens, because that's a big initiative and probably long down the road before we see anything that looks like that. We do probably want to do something where, because like, unless you're really knee deep in the community, you don't know that PolyCub is, you know, brought to you by the Leo Finance team. You don't know that Cub DeFi is brought to you by the Leo Finance team. So um, trying to think of a way that that can be, branded so to speak so maybe even just dropping leo finance tags on those websites or something um because people that will come to polycub fresh just look at polycub as this all right these are the polycub guys you know what i mean so yeah even if we could do something maybe branding wise where each site has uh some kind of leo finance logo slash mantra whatever it is that you know identifies Leo Finance.
2: Yeah, I definitely uh I definitely think, especially with the new, I I think we could do a lot with the existing UIs too. And uh yeah, I think we can do a lot with the existing UIs. But I think definitely when we when we build the new one from scratch, which I actually have a mock up of what I imagine it to be. Um when we do it from scratch, it'll look kind of like AutoFarm, but you know obviously different in a lot of ways. It's gonna have a lot of Leo branding and features on it. kind of like if you look at HiveStats, like obviously the, the Leo Finance logo isn't like on Hive Stats, but you know it's Leo Finance because of, um, you know, just the various Leo integrations on it, like the, the content slider at the top. You know, it's, it's a little more subtle, but you still know. And then you've also yeah. got the links at the top, obviously, for Leo Finance, Cub Finance, Leo Dex, Leopedia. So it, it's a little more subtle, but you still know that it's a Leo Finance project.
1: Yeah. And that was a great upgrade. Because on the old one, yeah.
2: that's a good, actually, that's a good, uh, good example of what happens. Like, so hive stats was there and it, it was a good app. Um, I think obviously the best analytics app on hive. Um, but then we decided, you know, let's build an app. That's a hundred times better. So we built it from scratch, just a brand new one. And I think the new hive stats is a hundred times better than the old one. So I think that's pretty much what's going to happen with Cub is that we decide to build it from scratch, and then you're going to have that multi-chain Cub uh, UI that will interact with all the different, all the different Cubs on all the different chains. Yeah. Metaverse Cub. When when Metaverse Cub?
0: Yeah. And uh, you know, this is my own personal question. Um, what you know for? Uh, yeah, obviously I'm, I love all the DeFi stuff, uh, but my killer feature or killer app is always Project Blank. So my question is, uh, will Project Blank have Leo rewards? If so, then it will in- integrate into all the, 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 the bridging and everything that you're talking about, uh, or will it be a totally separate token ecosystem?
2: Project Blank is very interesting because it's going to have it's going to have its own economy, but then it's also going to be integrated with Leo Bridge. So it is going to be you you are going to be able to exchange across Leo Bridge. You are going to have DeFi features. You know I think I think with I think the future of re- and really some people misconstrued DeFi and all these different things is like being something that it's not. But I mean it's a lot of different things. But um, you know the core feature of DeFi for any utility token like Leo or like Project Blank's token is that you can be able to trade it on different exchanges. So the core utility that DeFi offers is that it's an exchange. So like, you know, the pool of be Leo on Cub is allowing people to trade permissionlessly on another blockchain. And that is really just like an exchange listing. It's like if you get listed on like a centralized exchange versus a DeFi exchange, it's essentially the same thing. You're just opening trading up on a new platform. So with Project Blank, you're gonna have obviously, you know, pools where you're gonna be able to trade because those are just exchange listings. And then obviously we'll go for real exchange listings too, just to get the attention spread. Um, but yeah, that is uh it will be able to be used in DeFi and it will be featured in Leo Bridge for sure.
0: Okay. Thank you. Uh any uh <laughs> I know what the answer is, but any, any updates on timelines for, for project one?
2: Um, yeah, let me just pull up my calendar. <laughs> um, I, I'm confident about this year, confident about this year. Okay. And uh, a few people have said Q2, so I am no uh, official timelines. I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of the, the calendar timeline game.
0: Well, you know, bring me, you know, seven times.
1: <laughs> Speaking of things on the calendar, the, uh, you'd be surprised at how many people ask me for this feature, um, the search feature on Leo Finance. Apparently it is a uh, highly desired one because I get the question, it seems to f- fall through from somebody every once in a while consistently.
2: Yeah, we actually had a, uh, a dev team meeting um, when was that I think it was on third day or Friday last week uh, talking about the search feature so um, it will be ready in this universe um, it's going to be on mobile first I think I've talked about that it's going to be mobile first then we're obviously gonna going to uh, migrate that to, to desktop too but the search feature is pretty it, it's really good I, I haven't seen anything like it on hive uh, in terms of you know, functionality and it's, it, it works a lot more like a Google search, but obviously for Leo finance content on Hive uh,
1: than anything else. Nice. Yeah. I mean, cause there's, I mean, there's separate sites out there. Like obviously having the search on the website's great. I mean, you know, you have Hive searcher, which is a completely separate site, just to search, which gets the job done, but I'm more so looking to search on Leo, not all of Hive.
0: It's good stuff.
1: Yeah, that'll be a nice little feature, uh, especially for finding. I mean, that's the thing. You send people to your finance; it's like they have no way to find you unless they just, you know, know to go to uh, in the URL and just do backslash your name.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, uh, even finding my own stuff is difficult at times.
1: Yeah. So it's. And then yeah, as far as the mobile app looking forward to those features when I can finally get in Android, no love on the mobile app. Doesn't, uh, doesn't, doesn't open for me.
2: Yeah. I, uh, I saw your DM about that. I wanted, uh, some screenshots and more details. Um, we're going to get that fixed. I'm not sure why it's happening to you. Cause I logged in on my Android and, uh, I had a few other people try and it worked. So oh, cool.
1: Yeah. So that's, that well, that's better that that's the case because um, if it was happened to everyone, that would suck. Yeah, I don't know. I uninstalled yeah. and reinstalled, but maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe there's some metadata or something that still sits on there.
0: Yeah, but it'll be fixed in this universe. All right. So I think we're all caught up on questions and commentary. Maybe. Um, what do you guys think about this? Uh, you know this market dip and then market rip that we've had over the last couple of weeks are you guys selling the pump or is this a new bull market
2: um personally i am uh you know i was really surprised i was watching bitcoin just tick up i was like oh i woke up i think i woke up and it hit 40k and i was like i looked at it. i was like oh that's cool and then you know every time i checked it it was like 41 42 43 and then i was like oh wow that's uh it's quite a move. Um and then, you know, obviously I'm watching Rune today. It's up like 40%, which is nuts. Um
1: Oh, is it? Dan? look at Rune. Uh,
2: yeah, Rune is Rune is crushing it right now. Obviously, it's it was at lows for a while, but um they're also about to integrate Terra, so obviously.
1: Oh, well that's well positioned also... in
2: Rune. Um So, so yeah, I've been watching all that and then, you know, I'm not really I'm not really selling this pump. I am selling a little bit into uh into cubs so like i i actually took some maroon profits sold it in um, so that is uh, i was doing it while we were talking actually yeah. anyone hopes the price go up a little bit
1: on what cub yeah just a little oh crap no wonder i so i was <laughs> i was doing the same thing while we've been on the call i was like oh, oh, someone else is buying besides me
0: 34.1 to 35. Me, it was me.
1: I was like, I'm like, damn it. I'm like, who else is buying? <laughs> that's hilarious, dude. That's crazy. Yeah. Funny. I was kind of I wasn't I wasn't even gonna uh mention that I just bought because you know price pushed up like a penny yeah that's too funny. Yeah. Nope, I was that's doing funny. that too at the beginning of the call.
2: Yeah, I uh you know I saw rune because I I sometimes I do some shorter term trades on on rune and just like you know. I, b- I bought some like last week or something. It was like $3 and I, I just picked some up and then I just sold it for like 50% profit. So just decided to, I was either going to hold that in stable coins or put it into something. And I figured Cub is a uh, pretty good bet right now.
1: Well, and that's part of the answer to that question. I mean, you can't sell the pump if you didn't buy any fresh uh, coin down. Like yep. So like I'm not selling because I didn't buy anything fresh uh, over the last you know week or two. I've just yeah. been consolidating on, you know, into everything that is Cub waiting for yeah. uh, airdrop um yeah I'm not gonna yeah. lie I'm
0: tempted to open a new short here
1: well it's funny really? you mention that because <laughs> unlike me you covered your short and I mean I might have but that freaking candle on the 24th like that spiked so fast and hard by the time like I got in front of my machine it was already up like 3000 points and I'm like well eff it I'm not going to cover the damn short now so I'm still holding that same short which went from positive to negative now I'm out of the money again and I'm looking at, you know, we have a ways to go on today's candle, but after the big spike in the candle again, I'm like, huh, this might come back down to like even 40. So speculating on a short isn't the worst idea, but, uh, I don't know. I got a feeling we're going to hold 40 if it pulls back. I think so. Um, here's what's funny. I actually, uh, cause I got asked, um, on my calls Tuesday night, like in terms of the market. And I think someone like, you know, hit me up on Facebook in a post and I was just like, this might be a short-term bottom in, in, in crypto and in Bitcoin. I was only willing to say short-term, but it's cause we got obviously that big candle, you know, with the um, lower wick on higher volume, you know, like if you look at the volume from that day is in that top, like 25% of volume days, I would say uh, we're top third, you know, over the the last, whatever it is, you know, three, six months. And if you look at that two out of three times, it marked a bottom for at least, you know, the short term, which I would say is, you know, two or three months. So it doesn't mean that's the case, but odds are based on just the candle and the volume compared to prior instances. So 30, that thirty seven. Might be the low for a while, which I'm fine. Like, honestly, like my short is, yeah, taking profits is great, but it's more so a hedge in case like we did cascade down to 30K. So I don't mind taking a loss on that because I have obviously, you know, the upside is way better. So if I take an L and I lose whatever it is on that, because, you know, it's on margin. So I lose $1,500 or something. It's like, who cares? I've made way more than that um if everything pushes and i also have bitcoin that i added lower like i bought some bitcoin at 35 when we first had dumped on that first like big red candle down through 40 so and i was looking to obviously back up the truck at 30 which i'm obviously on record saying weeks and weeks ago but we never got there (laughs) yeah
0: well everybody else was too that's why i never got
1: there (laughs) that's the problem and i was looking at something they were showing um outstanding orders on um like uh, coinbase pro and uh i forget one of the other big centralized exchanges and there was just stacks of orders at 30 uh, like really at 32 it started but especially it ramped up at 30 29 28 like just dumb amounts of bitcoin buys like waiting so i was just like shit even if we get down to 32 30 it's like we're probably not going through it because there's just a ton of buyers waiting so, and instead we never even got there. And if you think about it, like our low is what, you know, that was 30, 32, nine, five. So that makes sense. Cause you know, a lot of those big orders were 32 down through 29. So it's like everyone got teased and maybe that's why we'll never go down there. I don't know. I'd be fine with that. Like as much as I'm rooting to be able to buy Bitcoin at 30 and 25, like it also sucks. So then you got to ride out that down move. Yep. So I hope this is the bottom. It'd be nice. So you know, who knows? It's though. Just,
0: you know, this is just such a such a power candle that we're in. And the volume not that high. Not on makes, that
1: candle at all. I, yeah, it wasn't.
0: Which makes me think that, you know, it's a it's a short term thing. You know, the the timing coincidence with sanctions going on in Russia makes me think that these are literally Russians uh, who can't access the banking system anymore are now or at least not the not capital from outside of Russia. Uh, are not able or are taking what they can and putting it into Bitcoin as an alternative, which is exactly the use case of Bitcoin is that it's, you know, it's permissionless, it's borderless and all that kind of stuff. Um, But I don't know how sustained that buying pressure would be.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like that's a total reasonable answer to why we got this big candle out of nowhere. it could just be... (laughs) What's up to
0: saying that the the entire global financial system changed this week. You are nuts and insane if you don't see it and are short.
1: (laughs) Well, and the reality is none of us are net short. We're all very, very net long. These are just short-term either trades and or hedges. Um, That's, you know, I mean, you know, obviously that goes another level, but that's general portfolio strategy. I mean, anyone that runs a fund has... Short and long positions on all the time, but in general, they'll be well unless they want to be net short. They'll be net long on the on the long term.
0: What's up with long with leverage? Yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, listen, if you're gonna be right, like you always say, Neil, if you're gonna be right, you might hey, as well get paid. So that's you right. Go, go big or go home. Whale well, rules.
0: Whale well, rules. Right.
1: So, in fact, I quoted I quoted Neil um, on a, the wealth principal call we do every Saturday morning. Um, and I did give credit, although okay. I just said it my accountant, <laughs> um, but the whole concentrated bets for making money diversification is for um, keeping money because the right. wealth principle was put all your eggs in one basket and then guard that basket. Yep. So I was like, I don't know if I totally agree with that, but I do in this light. And then I quoted Neil with that and talked about how, you know, when you're trying to make money, you got to find the things you really like you have conviction in and then go after it. So if you're right, you get paid. I was like, and then after that, then you keep that money by diversifying and being more defensive. And that's yeah. always been, you know, yeah. my actually, personal Achilles heel.
0: Yeah. I actually, uh, this morning, I was looking at some stats on Splinterlands and I was like, you know, I, so, you know, I, most of my portfolio, the vast majority actually is rented out to other players. I earn an income and then I also get the SPS airdrop, which is uh, winding down. I think we're in the last three months now. Wow. Um,
1: it's already been uh, a year. That's crazy.
0: Almost. Yeah. Been, uh, it was wow. July. So we're into March. So, yeah. Three, three months. Three Fourth months.
1: quarter. <laughs> I'm having flashbacks months. to my basketball days. Fourth, Fourth quarter. quarter. Yeah. So, um,
0: uh, so I was looking at it and, you know, so I took my rental earnings for the last season, which just ended last night. And I, you know, cashed them out. Um, and I, but I was looking at, it, I was like, well, what am I doing with this? You know, I had BUSD at the time. Um, so like, what am I doing with this BUSD? Nothing. So, I should buy more cards and rent more out <laughs> and increase my
1: concentration.
0: Snowball, um,
1: snowball effect.
0: Being a little bit uh, strategic about it, though, you know, going after uh, cards that I, I think are attractive yield wise. So, so that's what I did. I spent the last you know hour before the call uh, buying uh, buying more cards.
1: So since you brought up Splinterlands and a, that just made me think, makes me think I should be renting my cards because I'm just sitting on packs, earning no money, which. is you're most- earning SPS, so. Well, I know that from the X chaos. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and I get the points for, so yeah. Cause of the airdrop, I'm actually earning something, but yeah. once the airdrop's over then renty, renty time probably, or just yeah. hodl and hope you can sell them for a higher price, which was my initial plan just because renting is an- another thing to take care of. Yep. But there are a lot of normies that did buy a bunch of chaos packs and then they're like, all right, how do I open these things? So what's the short version of best practices for opening packs?
0: So the short version of best opening practices depends on what you want to do with the cards. So if you're looking for resale value, you want as much legendary and as much gold foil as possible. And that means you need to open them with potions. So there's two potions. One is an alchemy potion, and one is a legendary potion. So the alchemy
1: potion increases. Is an alchemy potion. That's what's called. Oh my god! I just saw the whole community. No, he, you know who's <laughs> gonna love that? Really, yeah. it's called alchemy. <laughs>
0: yeah, let me make sure that's still the name before I go. Oh in. my god!
1: I think I think I think I might have just found a whole community of spokespeople just because <laughs> it's called alchemy. Yeah. Yeah, it is is still called the Alchemy Potion. And what was the name of the other potion? Legendary. Legendary. All right, so there's legendary cards and legendary potions? Yes. Interesting. Okay. So the legendary
0: potion doubles the probability that you'll get a legendary card out Ah. of your pack. So normally there's a 0.8% probability that any card that you open is legendary. So it doubles it from 0.8% to 1.6%. Alchemy Potions double the probability that you get a gold foil card. Now, without potions, the probability is two percent. With potions, the probability is four percent. So, uh, so you can have you can have one, or the other, or both. You know, whenever you open packs. So, if you're going for resale value, the best thing to do is to have both potions uh, purchased and and um, and effective when you open the packs. Now, you need. So if you open one pack, you need five legendary potions and you need five alchemy potions because the potions are on a per-card basis rather than a per-pack basis. And by doing that, you'll maximize your expected value. There's still randomness. You can still get bad draws. You can still you know, have great draws you know, because of the, the random blockchain uh, data that feeds into it.
1: Oh, absolutely. And you said but- it's five potions per card? Per pack. Per pack, okay. Because there's 100. five yep, cards yep. inside the pack. Gotcha. That makes sense. So if I've got 100
0: packs, I need 500 legendary potions and 500 the potions, um, and then they are, uh, you know, that'll add basically nine percent to your cost basis of the whole thing.
1: Gotcha. So, let's just say hypothetically, <laughs> someone's <it's... laughs> Hey, what's up, <laughs> Splinterlands? Leo that. Finance. <laughs> Okay. Who, who are we kidding? Neil, Neil's got them in the background playing, okay. earning.
0: All right. Hi. What? Look what I do. You're so
1: hungry, you're going like, to eat a horse. Okay. That's great. Draw, draw me right. a Leo lion. We need, we draw we need a, we need a Leo lion.
2: Maybe that'll be the first uh, Leo legend NFT.
1: Maybe right? so. That's awesome. Uh, i'm so i'm so used to that because like mike uh mike shine and like a lot of other people that kids will jump in yeah
0: <laughs> they're usually pretty good but my wife left to go that's all right
1: lunch. she can bring she can bring all the uh, us leo finance art <laughs> <laughs> so
0: um, so that's for resale value to maximize resale value uh if you want cards to rent or to play with though uh, it it can vary, so you know gold foil cards do not rent as well as regular foil cards because they're more expensive, and the the rewards you get for battling do increase, but not in proportion to their expense. Uh, so, Interesting. So if you want to if you want to build a rental portfolio, then you want then you don't want the alchemy potion because you want um, regular foil cards, and in that case, the legendary is still probably a good idea. I mean, um, you know, legendary. Cards, you know, tend to rent decently well. Um, not as well as if you were buying single cards in the lower tiers, but uh, but for, for random assortment that you get out of packs, then legendaries are really okay. So you know, it depends on your goals, really. Um, most people go for resale value. Uh, relatively few people are playing the landlord game, like I am. But you know, you know a lot of real estate guys, so they might be interested in that.
1: Exactly. I mean, myself included. So I mean. And that's interesting, at least, you know, from my perspective, because I know in order to buy potions, I mean, it's with, um, why is this not opening for me? Um, what is it? You need credits? Is that what you buy Yeah.
0: So, so you, buy, you buy credits, which are, uh, you know, a thousand to one US dollars. So, you know, uh, you, you, you buy, spend one dollar of value, you buy a thousand buy credits at a time. And obviously you can do more than a thousand. Um, but um, yeah, so you, you buy credits from Splinterlands with any of the big cryptos that you like or DEC or SPS or whatever. And then- Or PayPal. Or PayPal, yeah. Uh, and then you can spend those credits on purchase. So you have to, you know, if, if this is your only purchase that you're doing Splinterlands, you got to make sure you do that math right so that you're not over buying the credits because credits are not transferable. You can't gotcha. sell them. You can't, you can't give them to anybody else
1: so this is interesting so for someone that has a balance of credits magically somehow i don't know mm-hmm. how um i mean if you got credits that you didn't pay for then it just makes sense to use them why not try yep. and get the best card you can and then you know you can sell you know i guess i could you know sell the gold foils and rent uh rent the legendaries or whatever it is mm-hmm. it's interesting yeah after uh the whole polycub uh Wildness is settled down. Maybe I'll finally look into making some moves on my splinter lands. But anyway, that question wasn't even for me. It was for the people that were asking me because a lot of people that did like X Chaos, um, and you know, now have a bunch of chaos cards, are kind of deciding what to do with them. And yep. I've been getting the questions about, you know, what do I do opening them? Yep. So that's awesome. Cool. No, I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. So, you know, the the math behind opening has <laughs> been very, you know. It's, it's one of those dilemmas that Cal always talks about. Because right now, while the SPS airdrop is going on, the, the SPS airdrop for the pack is actually greater than the expected value of the, of the cards. The, the, it's greater than the SPS airdrop for the expected value of the cards that you get when you open them by about 50% difference. So um, you basically get 200 points for the cards and you would get 300 points for the pack. So there's an incentive right now to keep the pack unopened And, um, you know, um, unless you're, you know, really confident about, you know, your numbers as far as coming up ahead on that
1: that trade. In that case, I would think the price of the packs would be doing better. But I also know we haven't sold out, like chaos packs haven't sold out yet either. Right. We're halfway through. Gotcha. That'll be interesting, too, to see if that happens before the airdrop ends. I I don't know. I think I would assume. Yeah, because that's three months away still. Yeah, I would assume Mm -hmm. it sells out.
0: Yeah, the um, it's you know it's
1: it's strongly
0: tied to the uh, the overall crypto markets, you know, and yes. DeFi and, and GameFi, because you know when when Chaos Engine was announced, everything was super hot, right? You know, Bitcoin was sixty thousand or whatever, and you know fundamentally that's why we started X-Chaos, because we were we were concerned that there was going to be a huge sellout, um, that we wouldn't have the opportunity to get the cards that we wanted. And then, obviously, between then and, and actual chaos, release crypto markets tanked. You know, fifty percent. You know, a lot of the a lot of the momentum and the heat went away. Still had a good opening sale, but not didn't sell out by any means.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, which honestly, in the end, is not bad because it was quote unquote sort of a disappointment. Disappoint- but at the same time, um, it still hasn't been a terrible investment, even with it not selling out. Yeah,
0: I mean, X-Chaos has been great. You know, the DEC payouts every day. You know, fantastic. You know, we're continuing to sell the airdrop cards that, that uh, we're getting. And then, um, uh, the, basically, the DEC balance in the wallet has pretty much been growing steadily, even with the daily distributions to Chaos holders. Um, and then, you know, we'll get another airdrop card here in a little bit when we get to 8 million packs sold. So the, it's, it's been working out great. Uh, I've been very pleased with it. Um, and, You know, we had some people who were confused about mechanics and all that in the beginning, but yeah, everybody seems to have settled down and, and understands what's going on. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's just, just keep chugging along. So, I'm uh, I'm a fan,
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm just letting the deck uh drop into uh, my account and uh, holding my packs in the meantime, but it's definitely interesting, <clears throat> but in the end. Buy Cub before you buy Splinterlands. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
0: Well, you know, probably Cub watching here in the next, who knows how long, shortly, is going to be way more EV.
1: Invest in Cub. The, the The yields on Cub are higher than on Splinterlands.
0: That's not always true.
1: But it's true most of the time. Most of the time. I mean, <laughs> it's, you know.
0: You got to be real strategic with Cub, You just buy whatever.
1: <laughs> this is true. I guess it also depends on what you're in. Like if you're staking. Well, so if you're staking Cub in the kingdom versus outright staking SPS, um, they're about the same right now. Actually, Cub is a little bit higher. Cub is like 5% higher. No, actually, it's probably like 2% higher right now. But that's about to change um, when Cal uh, launches the, what, what, what's it's the The, the label? On. Yes, Incentive, incentive Pendulum. pendulum. Yeah. So all of a sudden, Cubs is going to look real tasty in terms of the kingdom against uh, SPS.
0: I'm, I'm really curious what the Incentive Pendulum is going to look like uh, and how going to shift yields around.
1: Yeah, me too. It's going to be interesting. Hey, listen, the I'm
2: first curious. shift that's going to be implemented, just I mean, it's probably going to be implemented today, if I'm being completely honest. But the first shift that's going to be implemented is that the cub Kingdom is going to go from right now. It's about 32%. It's going to go to close to 80%, right around there, uh, for Cub Kingdom. And the Cub Farms are going to. Because everyone
1: runs uh, to buy Cub.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then the Cub Farms are going to tip down to around 120% APY. And then obviously the price is going to. Uh, you know, I think most of us expect that the price is going to change drastically with with Polycub launching right after the pendulum, um, and then the price of Cub going up will will increase the APY in those pools, obviously. So. Um, I think it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. The first swing will be interesting. And then obviously it'll, it'll keep going on a regular schedule after that.
0: Awesome. Looking forward
2: to it. Uh,
1: as I go on to pancake swap, <laughs> <laughs> who keeps pumping the price? Stop it. I'm trying to buy lower. <laughs> I forbid you from buying any more Cal. <laughs> you have enough. <laughs> Yeah, I just, uh,
2: I had to flip that rune into something and I didn't, I just can't see anything better than Cub right now.
1: No, I don't blame you. Honestly, I wish I was in a position to sell some rune. That's another one I don't have as much as I'd like. Um, And I finally got around to a few weeks ago, um, getting, I don't know if I have all of mine um, staked, but I got most of it staked against Bitcoin because um, decent, you know, decent enough yield. And I'm like, I'm fine with having more of either of those coins.
0: Yeah, I've I've still been in the in the BTCB rune pool for I don't know however long they've had it now.
1: Yeah, that's the one I got in like uh, maybe a month ago.
0: Yeah, i us just open up my Thor yield.
1: You know what I haven't looked at in forever is X rune. I'm I'm not gonna lie, I've been waiting for any kind of pump in X Rune just to sell it and plow it into, yeah. into regular rune or plow it into a cub.
2: I uh yeah, I've obviously been holding X rune since it launched. I, I did sell. I am glad that I sold a lot on the pump. It was it went up to like 60 or 70 cents. I sold a yeah. lot of it, but I did buy it back around like 20 cents. Uh, so I'm net, net, I'm still obviously very positive on the X rune, but definitely it could have been better if I just sold it all and didn't buy it back.
1: I mean, I have it staked. I've had it staked the whole time earning, but I barely have a claim because like it's like, oh, I have like fifty dollars and the gas fee is like thirty-five dollars.
0: Yeah, that's that's yeah. the problem with um, Theory.
1: Theory. Yeah, because X rune, uh, what is that through SushiSwap? I think I interact with that one. I think so so which speaking of so going back to polycub obviously sushi is going to be the back end for several things other i'm assuming it's not just sushi or is it
2: um no there's uh it's so it's going to be tell you right now um so we've got two sushi pools um two sushi kingdoms uh ethereum bitcoin uh ethereum die uh, then we've got one Curve uh, Tri-Crypto pool, which is USD, BTC, ETH. Um, and then we've got a stablecoin kingdom uh, from Curve as well. The, the Aave stablecoin.
1: Uh, All right. So for so, so those are the offs that haven't messed with Curve, time to get familiar with it. Yeah. And then it, uh, P. Yeah, we'll so, definitely have to put
2: some good tutorials out for it.
1: Yeah. I mean, you guys have obviously been talking about it and- in you know, messed with curve for heck year and a half, at least now, if not longer. Um, yeah. but I never, I never got involved with it. And I know a lot of the community hasn't either. Um, and then what? So yeah, P We'll go through what sushi.
2: P Yep. Um, that is uh, the P and the Polycub USDC and then, um, Polycub ETH. We'll all be on uh, sushi swap.
1: Okay, so outside of like the stable pool, pretty much sushi. I mean, I would say yes, sushi like, is so. definitely like
2: one of the biggest on Polygon. That's for sure.
1: Where's the stable pool going to be? Because I said you, you mentioned the try. That's curve. curve. That's also curve. Yeah, that's okay. curve.
2: So, so there's two sushi kingdoms and two curve kingdoms. Um, gotcha. Two sushi ones are the Ethereum, Bitcoin, Ethereum die, and then curve is tri crypto and stable coins
1: all righty well i know what i'll be doing after this call ends Then curve (laughs) will become friends
2: yeah it's actually i I, at first i remember back when Gerber and neil were talking about a lot and i really rejected using curve i just had (laughs) philosophical problems with their ui but then i just one day i was like all right screw it i'm just gonna i just i want to put some stable coins in here and uh i just decided to use it and it took me like 20 minutes to just you know put some coins in there but it, it really is it's pretty simple but it just looks stupid and it's not very intuitive
1: yeah you sir so. are smarter than me because i had the same exact thoughts and feelings except for i never moved on from those hang-ups and <laughs> never got involved also too because i don't know, like it's stupid too because six eight months ago still you're better off but i felt like i missed missed the boat so to speak but i was also you know it's all relative i'm looking at like you know neil and gerber like got in it pretty early and then it's like they were yeah, already they were. doing they're already doing well and i'm like well i missed that boat but really probably didn't miss that boat yeah
0: i mean it's still i mean the whole crypto world is still very early. yes yeah, yeah. i mean obviously we're in it so it doesn't seem like um you know it, it seems you know we're we're more magnified than 100 percent than is reality yeah like we're so deep in it
1: <laughs> yeah it's so early i think that's a problem too in crypto you know the joke is you know three, three days is like three months and you know, right. And, but that's the problem. Like everyone wants to basically have crypto millions in three days. And it's just like, think about if you just sat on what you're doing now, you did nothing else. You just sat on what you're doing right now and just fast forward three years.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. And I, I I, I had that. Yeah. Like I had like, what was it yesterday or something? I think I was throwing the mic and it kind of got me thinking about that. And I'm like, why am I worried? Like, it's just a timing thing. Like everything's great. Like I'm set up like, unless the whole crypto market blows up, like in three years from now, life is going to be really good and it's only going to get better just with what's in place, you know, like set up that foundation and let it work. And, you know, it's no different than like real estate investing. You know, we talk about real estate investing. You need three to five years to like have good success and like you making money, like, passive money off of real estate that like makes any kind of difference. Right. So in crypto, it's just like, well, shit, we've only been DeFi for, you know, for me, it'll literally be a year next week because Cub DeFi was my initial launch into DeFi. Right. Yeah. So what's shit look like, you know, two years from now, even. So I think perspective is important because we all get 100%. caught up in the when, when, when's. So you see, you see what I did there? I made a point. At the Most end.
2: people get caught up in the <laughs> when's. I just get caught up in the soon's.
1: <laughs> oh, we got to tag that. We got to turn that into a trademark. <laughs> where's where where's Morty? I saw he was on here at one point. I feel like that needs to be a uh, meme. I am definitely, that is too funny. I'm asking him in chat to do that. <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, it's epic.
0: But yeah, uh, I was just thinking as you were talking, Kat, if I if I average all my positions and and because you know I'm pools and, and and kingdoms and you know whatever else. Uh if I if I averaged everything, I'm probably at like 60% you know APR or something like that. Yeah, I yeah. do I... so if you just sat on 60% for three years, that's not terrible. And, you and... Know, maybe maybe crypto has a moonshot between here and there, who knows.
1: Neil, I'm pretty sure the only reason I have a rough idea of, and I really only do it for like a cub um, because I don't have much elsewhere. I mean, I have like a little bit on Rune and um, a couple others, but uh, I think the spreadsheet I use, I got from you in terms of calculating. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Almost positive. Yeah. Like I have my cub stats sheet and yeah. So I put it all in there and I can calculate what my APY, my average APY is. And actually I just did it. I'm actually overdue to do it. I haven't done it since January. Um, but back then it was 60% uh, and it always changes. So I would yeah. do it every month. It's funny too, because sadly it goes down, which was expected as we do yield discovery, but for the most part, it gradually goes down some, some months it pops up, obviously if the price of cup is up, but, um, yeah, it's always been anywhere from like that 60 to 80% on average for me with my mix. And, you know, obviously I got a good chunk of stable, but, um, yeah. It's like, where else are you getting those returns? Like you can crush it in real estate and you're going to get a third of that at best.
0: Yeah. Real estate has great leverage though.
1: So it does have great leverage. So what, uh, Cal, you said, what is it? Most people, most people ask when I focus on the soon, what was oh, it?
2: Most, most people get caught up in the wins. Yes. I get caught up in the
1: suits. That's get caught up. That's way better. <laughs> No I love that.
2: I could come up with some other ones too. Then Diesel lives a quarter mile at a time. I live a, a quarter calendar at a time.
1: Oh my God. That's not, I don't, I'm not, I'm not even feeling that. Uh, there was uh what was that? There was that other movie, uh, with the, uh, it was motorcycles instead. And the dude says it to like the, 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 like the girl, the love interest, uh, interest, and she just looks at him. She's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and I got it, that it was funny. I'm like, ah, oh, they clown, I was like, that's cool. Since it was a bike movie, they were clowning on the car movie. It's funny. But yes, meme-worthy comments. I mean, Absolutely. listen, the reality is we live in a meme world. That's how shit gets popular. Right.
2: Yeah. Speaking of that, you know the the YouTube and TikTok have been blowing up. Um, and you like it's funny because we've been posting on YouTube for like three years, and we've got some videos that did really well. Like one of them's got like fifty thousand views. But um, you know, most of the videos get like an average of like fifty to seventy five views. And and then we started posting, cross posting the TikToks onto the YouTube Shorts, and uh, our, our views have like tripled. Um, you know, like month to month already. And, and obviously we just started. So it's pretty crazy. Like the top, if you look at like the top content, it's like the top five views this month have been four of them are the short, the YouTube shorts. And then one of them is, is a, is a long form clip from from a long time ago.
1: Um, yeah, so makes like sense. majority
2: of our traffic now is YouTube shorts.
1: I like, uh, I like what Roland put in the other chat. Cub is the new cake.
2: Cub is the new cake. I like that.
1: I think that sounds like a, that's t-shirt worthy. Yeah, that's actually what yeah. he said. Cub is the new cake. That's actually great. I'm going to start throwing that out there everywhere. Like people that. are like, huh? Get the, I think it's uh, just going to
2: get crazy when people realize, like, I, I mean, the Polycub thing is just massive on its own. Like I said, I'm predicting like a fifty. That's why... I sold some rune for cub but
1: Dude, that'd be sick um, we got a dollar 50 i'm fucking yeah. hoping for a dollar <laughs> i wouldn't be mad yeah
2: i wouldn't be upset about it but um then you take into account that you know i'm i'm really confident and hopeful that i'm right about what polycub is going to turn into and that we can launch that every 60 days on a new evm chain and then obviously each of those launches is going to be an airdrop to all the cub cub holders so
0: So, Um, you know, this is the problem. Massive. If Cub goes to $1.50 or $1 or whatever, I can't sell it because there's more airdrops coming. Investor's dilemma.
2: Investor's Investor's dilemma.
0: dilemma.
1: Well, so exactly. That's why you game plan. So, you know, like me personally, I've been stacking Cub. Like there's, I got a number in my head in terms of like, all right, what do I want to get from the airdrop? Now, Obviously more is always better, but I have more Cub right now than I need to meet that number. So I said, I did that for a reason, because if we do get a nice spike in cub, maybe I say, all right, forget the airdrop. Let me lock in some of these profits, but also profits to basically plow into polycub into pools with high yields. So, you know, there's dilemmas each way. and That's why you got to set up your game plan, um, which don't get me wrong. Like the launch of any DeFi, right. Is like the Mike Tyson theory. Like everyone has a plan to take a punch in the mouth. Right. Like that's exactly what's going to happen. Like I have a plan for like basically like one or two steps, it, but as soon as it's launched and like all the things are out and I see the APRs and all that shit, like I know like most of that's going to go to hell in a handbasket. And so my plan is all right, I, I have plan a for, you know, one or two things, and then I'm just waiting for it to go live. And then it's like, all right, start making decisions when the bullets are flying.
2: it's, it's definitely going to be tough. Definitely going to be tough. There's a lot there's just so much to do, you know. Let's you get cub, you get all the, you got cub kingdoms, cub farms, you got to decide between then you've got polycub, you've got x polycub, uh, and then the polycub farms to, to uh, consider. Then you've got B Leo B&B and P Leo uh, Matic and what are you going to do? Um, what are you going to do? That's the question.
1: Exactly. My
2: my take is I'm just going to keep keep buying more Cub and Leo and just stake it everywhere. Stake it all. Like when you guys were talking about the, uh, um, you know, the concentrated bets, um, you know, that's what was running through my mind is like my most concentrated bet is Leo and and Cub for, I mean, for a lot of reasons, but, but that is definitely my most concentrated bet.
1: Me too, by far. What do you guys think?
0: this is something I've been playing with you know for years really it's like what do you think is the number of positions you could really solidly keep track of
1: I think that number varies per person because I know that number is very that number is much higher for you and Cal than it is for me but that's just because I organization and tracking is not something that I love you know you're obviously a mixed spreadsheet so yeah, I have a fan. I think everyone has a different number. Sure.
0: But it's low, whatever it is. It's, is it? it's single digits.
1: Is it though? I mean, think about Cal just with um his options positions. Like, I can't believe with everything that's going on yeah, in terms of crypto that he still has all those option plays going. Like, if I was doing those options, like that alone would be the only thing I paid attention to because I can't handle more. So, but again, it goes back to personality, organization, decision making, like. I don't make quick decisions. It's something I'm constantly getting better at, right? So you have to be very just decisive and get in there. It's like, all right, this is my time allotment for this. I make my decisions. I'm gone. I don't think about it. Well, yeah, right?
0: I, I guess I should, you know, it's it's more like mental categories, right? So, like, I'm guessing for Cal, the options is one thing. And so you do your thing, you know, from market open for an hour or whatever it is, do that every day. And um, so it doesn't take up you know, 30, 30 options positions only takes one spot in his right. mental portfolio. Gotcha. And so, like, for me, Cub is one thing. You know, I've been, like, four or five pools um, you know, um, amongst uh, different Cub things. So, I guess that's that's more what I'm what I'm considering as, like, counting. Because yeah. so gotcha. I've, got, I've got, like, I've got Bitcoin. That's one thing. I've got Splinterlands. That's one thing. I've got Cub. That's one thing. Um, and then I've got miscellaneous other stuff, but I don't really count those at all because I'm not—they're—they're they're not mentally uh, taking up space just because they're on autopilot.
1: I somewhat agree. I mean, it's like me not paying attention to uh, you know uh, X rune and forgetting I even have it sometimes. Yeah. Um. You know, and same thing with like I have. I took flyers on like a handful of just complete you know shit coins. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know, seeing if I get lucky, I forget I have them half the time, and if they pump, I probably will miss it because you know I, I got to go on like gex guru to even see like the price chart yep
0: (laughs) i've missed a lot of (laughs) pumps that way i was doing some lunch typing and stuff and so it worked and then but (laughs) but my residuals just kind of died and uh...
1: i got uh walter literally texted me answering giving his answer he said three three (laughs) investments it gets hard beyond that and it's true because like and that's kind of where we're at in terms of I look at that almost as like three businesses. It's just like, I have real estate, I have crypto, and then I have like the quasi like education coaching. Right. And that all is somewhat overwhelming. So I think your point about, yeah, it's like, if you're doing like options, stock, you know, stock options trading, like that's one investment, even though you have multiple investments on, and then, you know, you have Bitcoin and then whatever, whatever else, you know, splinter lands.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What's up is saying there's a market need being discussed right now with the notification system. That's true. Yeah, so somebody could build a build an app of some sort to capture <laughs> important things uh you know pumps that you might have missed
1: uh i'm sorry i was looking at the comment prior to what's up mine is panic fomo no stress strategy <laughs> yeah. that's almost as fun as the cat chaos theory
0: chaos. you know
1: every time i fomo i
0: mean, that's not even true it's just every time i lose money but sometimes it makes sometimes it works out <laughs>
1: Yeah, I feel like FOMO hasn't been kind to me in the rare times I've done it.
2: Yeah, I mean for my stuff, it's pretty much exactly like what Neil was saying. It's like a different bucket. Like I wake up, um, you know, work on some stuff, and then at 8:30 my time, market opens, uh, stock market opens. I log in to my TastyWorks account, make a couple of trades. I think right now I average like 16 to 20 trades a day. Make make a couple of trades. It takes me like thirty to forty five minutes. I log out. I don't think about it until the next day when I log in at market open. Smart. And that's that's really it.
1: That I smart. That's a lot uh, of trades though. That is a lot of trades. Yeah,
2: I, I mean it's it's all fast. I mean it's I, I've definitely gotten a lot faster at it, and um, you know I'd say a majority of the trades, like there's probably maybe two or three new trades that I put on every day, but the majority of those, say sixteen trades, are are uh, just me rolling positions. So it's like I look at something. My del- I try to keep my Delta neutral, so my Delta is not neutral, and then I just roll it until my Delta is neutral and then probably spend like less than two minutes looking at each trade.
1: Nice. That makes sense.
2: And then once a month, you know, I basically just kind of log in for a little bit longer and I just kind of look into everything. I see, you know, what trades did really well, what trades didn't do well, and just kind of give it like a quick scan of like a more, a more deep scan than I would like on the daily, uh, just kind of on a monthly basis, just give it like a little bit more of a deep scan, see where, what's, what needs attention and what doesn't, but I really think of investing for myself as like, um, I've got like three, I, I really have like three baskets. Like I've got crypto, then I've got, um, the options stuff. And then I've got some real estate and that's just the three things that I'm thinking about at a higher level. Cause then like 99 percent, i'd say like a very small amount of my time is spent thinking about that stuff and most of my time is spent just developing now for leo i really just kind of sit there like most of my day now is just talking to devs all day long <laughs> texting them back and forth doing calls which is a lot different than my life two or three years ago
0: oh yeah yeah i'm just still working for them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, wow, the question is do you need to?
0: I, I don't need to, but what else am I gonna do?
1: This is true. Right. Yes, feel free to do my taxes for the next 25 years.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, I've actually been thinking about that a lot this year, because I've been, you know, I was sick with COVID at the end of last year, and then um, just been, been struggling uh, to, to want to work <laughs> this year. Yeah.
1: Bro, you're preaching to the choir. I'm having that dilemma with you know the quote-unquote work I do that isn't investing. So it's uh,
0: it's tough, but uh,
1: so far making it through.
0: And you know, with the with the fast forward thing, the great thing about still working, thing, I mean, granted, it's my own business and all that stuff, but the great thing about still working is that it allows my crypto to do its own thing because I'm living off of just, you know- uh, Yes. Active income and one of the passive grow.
1: Yes, that is definitely nice to have and gives you the ability to (coughs) grow investments faster as opposed to others that might need to, well, forget even pulling from it, but just can't add to it if they wanted to. Yep. Yep. Speaking of adding, let me stake a little more, cub in the kingdom. I've been mean,
0: ever since you guys said it. I've been watching the price of cub and it hasn't hasn't moved. So I,
1: I know some. I should actually just sit on my hands and wait and like buy probably tomorrow morning cheaper. <laughs> we got the AMA pump right now.
0: Well, you know Cal is his own AMA pump. So. This is
1: true. <laughs> so I gotta update my spreadsheet, which is not nearly as organized as Neil's, but.
0: I haven't updated mine in a few months. Well, actually.
1: I'm just saying, in terms of like like the transactions I do, in terms of like you know buying additional CUB and things like that into the uh, airdrop, I want to know like keep track of. Right, all right, how much money did I spend on CUB leading up to the airdrop, um, and at what prices did I get in? So, yeah, but... I got. Uh... What
0: is
1: that? Anywho, uh, apparently I must have closed my YouTube tab at some point. So I don't know if there's any questions in there. I've
0: still got it open.
1: So let's say we're all good. Uh, What's up is going to bid up the price
0: to to 40 cents, she's saying. So, you know.
1: Sounds good to me. Do it because I just bought a bunch this morning (laughs) at 35, basically. All
0: right.
1: Well, I'm good. I don't know yeah. about you guys. No, nah, if we yeah, got I'm all great. the questions covered and we talked about a ton of stuff. So,
2: yeah, yeah I'm just watching the markets explode. It's Bitcoin. Yeah. What are we push up to 45 now? again? Yeah. It'll be fun.
1: Yes. Pumping the market this week would be probably nice. Probably good Very for PolyCub. Nice. Probably good for yeah. PolyCub also. Yeah, it's
0: definitely better to launch on uh, on green days. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Than, uh, into crashing 30% markets.
2: Yeah, for real. It looks like we will. Looks like we'll catch the green day.
0: Awesome. So soon is becoming very soon when it comes to Polycub. It's the soonest yeah. of
1: soons.
2: I think it is the soonest of soons. Loves. You're going to see the incentive pendulum launch very shortly and then so once just, you see that you'll know that we're right before the launch
0: so incentive pendulum generates the countdown or are those two separate
2: things those are two separate things but the incentive pendulum is something that I wanted right before the launch okay. um, so so it's like me releasing that is as if I'm releasing a piece of polycub before it's live even though it's obviously separate but it's to me it's related so okay it, it is like the first launch it's like the first step in the launch you know okay. it's like a on the checklist it's like we did this now we're going to do the next one okay
1: so and then and another one and another one i gotta get uh i forget which hip-hop song that is i gotta grab that sample we'll play it it'll be the leo finance uh yeah. theme and another one you yeah, play to that DeFi. every 60
2: days when we launch a new right
1: <laughs> i think it's I'm trying to remember. It might be from uh, a P Diddy song back in the day, or at least a song from one of his artists. But anyway,
0: right. well, cool. Let us know. We'll yep. uh, track down the licensing rights. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been a good one, guys. I'm excited. All right.
2: Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. I'm excited for this week.
1: Uh, stay tuned.
2: Stay tuned
1: for more. And
0: otherwise, we'll
1: have a little.
0: Uh... Well, anniversary parties next
1: week. Yes, next week. Absolutely. Cub DeFi, one-year anniversary. All right. Have a good one, sir. All right, guys. see you guys. Peace.